hour and at the last day of everything we do and say. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, this morning to Genesis 1. And I love that uh, the words that, that were given this morning, Rebecca and then Lisa, I thought, I leaned over told Diane, I said, they're preaching my message. <clears throat> and did it quite well, I should say. Since today is our launch day and the theme of, our, of this vision journey is breaking out the light, and you'll see in just a moment what I'm, what I'm looking at. We've had a tremendous week here, and I just appreciate all the staff, especially Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Frankie, that helped us pull off a graduation, uh, doctoral graduation for a group of students from Rwanda. It's 21 students that, that graduated with a doctoral degrees, but only four of them would allowed to be, have visas to come into the country. And there were some others from Arizona and came, a small group, but there was just a sense of, of just the goodness of God upon them. And Diane came up and gave the blessing, asked us, would you give the blessing? And boy, did she. She blessed them, but good. And you know what the last thing she said to them? <laughs> the best is yet to come. <clears throat> and so she pronounced God's favor upon them. So I was, I was thinking about all that... Uh, Lord, there sure was a lot of work for, for a small few students, and this was a Bible school in Seattle that through a series of events, how the Lord just connected us, and they needed to have an office in Texas, and we just allowed them to, to function here. And the Holy Spirit said this to me this morning as I was, I wasn't complaining, I was just saying, well, that was a lot of work for, for a little bit. And the Lord says, I, I'll give you opportunities, even with small things, to see what you'll do with them that will set you up for bigger things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And yet bigger things with God is not about the numeric, but it's about the impact. And so David was sharing, he said, you know, those leaders that you graduated, I mean, they paid a lot of money and did a lot, did a lot of doctoral work just to get here. But think about all the, the nations and people from Rwanda and surrounding African countries that they will have an effect. We attempted to live stream because the other students were graduating Rwanda at the right time and Pastor Dwayne was having live stream and then do Zoom and all this at the same time, all this technology, <clears throat> and it sort of worked, not for very long. But anyway, I'm thankful that we have the capabilities here to do things that we couldn't do a number of years ago. I was astonished that um, last night at 12.30, hopefully you were in bed, I was for a little while, but 12.30 I got up and I, I ministered and spoke to 7,000 people in Pakistan. <laughs> And you'll see a few pictures I, I post on Facebook with it. And um, there in my office, you know, thousands and thousands, about 8,000 miles away at their time when they're worshiping, as far as the eye could see, worshiping the Lord in another lang language. And I'm sitting in my office and I'm ministering to them a simple message on the, um, being a new creation of God. Right there, the words of knowledge that God was healing liver disease he was healing decayed uh, teeth and that parasites and bones that didn't heal properly. I have no idea what took place, but I know that as we give the words of knowledge, wherever it goes out and faith grabs hold of that, that there's an impact there. It was a long evening, a long week, but here's the interesting thing about it was, I remember years and years ago, I didn't think about it until we were worshiping, there was a prophetic word came to me and says, I'm going to send you to the nations but this time the nations are going to come to you. Because when I heard that word, I thought, man, I just don't want to get on another plane, travel 14 hours, and then 
you know, all the time and all of that that you go through. And it dawned on me, this is exactly what happened. Never before in such a time could you go to the nations and never leave your office. And it was, it was so powerful, and so we prayed ahead of time that we would not have any complications with all the technology, and, and it was Skype. I haven't used Skype in years. I mean, that's like a dinosaur compared to the Zoom we're doing now. And so I had to go down and reload and get all that together. And we went online, was ready to go, and all of a sudden, uh, I couldn't hear him, but he could hear me. And that's, the screen was a lot bigger than these. I mean, it was filled the entire platform. And so he called me on WhatsApp, so I had my phone, hit my, listening to his voice and my phone while I'm speaking to them, and they're hearing me live there. And I thought, God, you're, the technology is incredible. And the enemy wants to use the technology for spreading lies around the nations. So we are in a time that the Lord is speeding up what we think that he, we can do. If we just allow the Holy Spirit to give us his perspective outside of our thinking instead of trying to figure out how God should do it, then we're going to get a lot long, farther down the line. Even as we launched it today and some new plans and so forth, I told the Lord early this morning, I said, though we make plans, it's you ultimately that orders our steps. If you want to mess up plans at any point in time down the line, I'm fine with it. I don't want to fulfill our plans and find out we could have had his steps. <clears throat> so we're just believing God and trusting the Lord for whatever's happening at this point. We've seen the, the revival. Some of you have seen the revival going on in Kentucky. Kentucky has been an epicenter at timing, you know, Cane Ridge and other places. I know one that I've been to um, in um, Florence, Kentucky. They have, every Friday night, they have renewal meetings and it's been going on <clears throat> since 94, every Friday night. I've been in some of those. And so there's, there's places and people that have contended for what God was saying, what, God, what they believe God was saying to them. And so I was praying over the revival there was going on in Asbury. I know Victor has some, some roots back into Asbury. And um, the Lord says, look and see that this is a cloud the size of a man's hand, but make preparations because it's getting ready to rain. <clears throat> it's getting ready to rain. <clears throat> Look and see what I'm doing. Don't look and see what I'm not doing. So he's actually retraining our way of thinking and saying, I don't have this and I don't have that and I need more of this and need that. Look what you have in your house, that little bit of oil, size of a man's hand, and begin to give thanks for, for the Lord for it and let him do something with it. If you're a critical person or very negative, you'll have difficulty moving in what God's doing because even when God's doing something, we say, well, yeah, I see what God's doing, but I, I think it's got to do this. It's got to go to this level. It's got to do that. God's never asked your opinion about a revival yet. <clears throat> He's certainly not starting now. So just give up on trying to figure it out. Give up on trying to, you know, tell God and, and offer your opinion what he wants to do with that. So anyway, and that's my opinion. <laughs> All right, Genesis, the first chapter. I'm going to talk about the clash of two kingdoms that we see in the world today not hard to figure out the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And we all live in, the, in a kingdom of darkness, but we also live in the kingdom of light at the same time. So by that we're saying is how do we deal with the kingdom of darkness with the power of the light? And if we don't understand how we, how we allow the light of his glory to manifest in us, we'll always be seeing everything through darkness and seeing things through negativity and, and push back from the enemy. 
Now, there's an interesting verse in Isaiah 45 and verse 7. I'll just quote it to you because I have so much to go through, and then we're going to, at the end, we're going to unveil some plans that, um, for the physical structure. But Isaiah 45, verse 7, it says, very interesting. God says, I formed the light and I formed the darkness. It is me that created both. I've created for the darkness for calamity and created the light for his glory. So God is even in charge of the darkness, and he's in charge of everything. It wasn't the devil didn't create anything, but he's also given us the power and the anointing so that we know how to, to get stronger and allow faith to rise that we're more in tune with the Lord. Right now we're seeing such a, a line drawn. <clears throat> Some of you know what happened with the Grammys. I never watched the Grammys or Grannies or whatever they're doing at that point. <clears throat> but I can tell you that it was demonic, and they're getting more and more blatant with it. So there's no more guesswork. Is that demonic? Duh. Or is that wrong? Yeah. Is that the, how the wrong of re, wanting to reassign agendas and all of that? Yes, it is. But the line is getting so more and more blatant, and we realize the kingdom of darkness is very much there. But he says, where darkness abounds, what? Grace, anointing, empowerment is that word, charis, it greater abounds. So he's wanting to operate, for us to operate in the greater anointing, greater power, and the greater authority over darkness. Otherwise, darkness creates fear, and darkness creates humil uh, you know, being humiliated. But the Holy Spirit is, is giving us the ability to rise up beyond that. Part of the thing that my heart is for our elders for this church is that we would be a trained house that would understand how to confront and deal with the darkness in the last days. When you look through scripture where that Abram took, when uh, Lot was his nephew was taken captive into, into uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible talks about that Abraham took his trained servants, they weren't soldiers, they were trained servants, they were trained by Abram to serve. He took them and rescued Lot and Abram overcame 10 kings. That's the favor of the Lord, but they were trained in the house. So all the things we're doing, we've got the healing class going on with Teresa Roybal and and the wellness class going on with, with Alex, and all the things that we do in discipleship classes is not just something to have take up your time, but it's to train us that we know how to deal with the darkness in the last days because the areas the enemy likes to hit us is physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, and all from that point. And I could just hear the Holy Spirit saying that I'm in a time I'm calling prodigals home. If you have a, one of your kids or someone away from the presence of God, then call them home. Don't just talk about how bad they are and all that they've done lately. Begin to talk about what God's done lately in behalf for them. <clears throat> so there is a transformation from one kingdom and the other. We're translated out of darkness in the kingdom of his dear son. So look with me in Genesis, the first chapter, and pick it up in verse 4. I know you've read this many times, but maybe you'll see it in a different light than, than we've ever read it through. Read it below the context and read it through the eyes of the Spirit through this. In the beginning, the word beginning there means a vibration that God spoke over everything and began, began, began to shake and move. In the beginning, was the beginning of time. In the beginning, God spoke. When God began to speak, that was the beginning. Everything changes when God says and we say, yea, amen to. If you want a beginning in your life, you have to hear God and then respond to what he's saying. Otherwise, it just stays there dormant. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. There was nothing, no connectivity. And the earth and, and darkness was on the face of the deep. 
key word, darkness and deep in this context is meaning the same thing. The depths or the seas were where the demonic realm were held and, and there lived at that point. Darkness was upon, not just hovered around, was upon the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. He didn't say he destroyed the darkness. He divided the light from darkness. And we're in that time where God is putting a separation between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And so this separation is a demarcation just in the way that um, Lisa was talking about in the, in the Garden of Eden. And God saying that I'm giving a line of separation between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And he said that there will be an enmity, hatred is the word, the red hot hatred that I've put between that. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Putting that line right there pushes back the kingdom of darkness and any access that has into that. One of the th words for light in the, in the Hebrew is the word or, O-R-E or O-W-R, depending on the context. And it literally means not only brightness, but it also means prosperity. That he's put a separation, O-R-E, of prosperity. Prosperity is the riches of the glory of God. It's not just money. There's the richness of who he is, richness of knowing him, the richness of his word, the fullness of who he is, that he's putting that on, on the side of the light. And he's putting this, this line of demarcation where that he's separating evil from, from good. And so then you go into Romans 16, 20, which is the verse that Lisa was using there, and shortly I will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So, I mean, the fact is this is you have the place to be above and not below. So, we see the word darkness. It is the idea of skozo. It's Genesis. And skozo literally means darkness that you can feel. It is heaviness. It's not just the absence of light. It is an entity or demonic level. So, you can, when you feel oppressed, which means to be put down under, put in depths, if you heard of the expression, the depths of depression or the depths of the doldrums, that is oppression being put under that. And that is a demonic level that God never intended us to live there. So if we're finding ourselves living in that position, then we're not living in light or at least a full level of that, that if we're in, in, in depression where we allowing the enemy to depress us or push us down saying this is who you are, this is what you are, then we have, we have the right to rise up and say, I'm changing sides, and I'm going to deal with darkness the same way that God did. He said, let there be, let there be, let there be light. It was not about cursing the darkness. It was about speaking into the light, speaking towards the light. So when you see darkness, it is the whole idea of being oppressed. If you're not happy, it's not because somebody didn't do something right for you, the joy of the Lord. There is darkness that's present there. It may not be fully that way, but something that causes you to be pushed down and move lower than what your, your expectations and God is, then it's a, it's a darkness. And we, we tend to kind of operate in light and darkness at the same time, and the two shouldn't even coexist. Now, the darkness is no longer just the absence of light, but the word light is not these, these energy and these light bulbs that are up here. Please, when he uses the word fosse, the word light is actually energy, supernatural energy. Before there was an electric anything, there was the light of God and his light from the very beginning of time, the God who created the sun is, is radiation. The glory of the Lord is radiating. What keeps us alive is not hooked up to some generator. It's the light inside of us that keeps your heart beating. When light leaves your body, then you cease to, to, your heart cease to beat. 
It is light or energy. Most of you know that science has proven that when, when a conception happens, a sperm and an egg come together, at the point there is a suddenly and there's a spark of light. It is light that causes some, that, that cell to start dividing and coming into its full expectation. It is light that set the pattern for the DNA. It's light that sets your hope in your future. It is light that moves you out of the darkness and moves you into the hope in the future he's called you to. So without light, it's not just the ability of being able to see with your eyes. Light is the power of his presence and glory that allows you to look beyond, even in the darkest of, of circumstances, and see his light in the middle of that. And so we realize that light is not something you flip a switch. Light is himself inside of us having his energy and his empowerment with us. So when we feel powerless, it means that I, I believe more what the devil's doing than what God's doing. I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. So Jesus even talks about, oh, you have a little faith. When he talks about that, it's really darkness. Because the God of this world hath blinded their eyes that they're not able to see the hope of their calling, 2 Corinthians 4. So with the God of this world is the king, kingdom of darkness, just as God operates in the kingdom of his light and his glory. So the clash of the two kingdoms is this. Whom shall we believe and whom shall we respond to? If we respond to, yeah, but, then we're operating in a level of darkness. If we say, I don't know if I believe that, then we're operating in darkness. Because fear and doubt and unbelief always was seen by Jesus as operating in, in another kingdom. The clash of these two kingdoms is not just an opinion thing. It is either we believe God or we don't believe God. We believe him all the way to our last breath, and there's an honor there, even though you don't see the fulfillment of that, but the fact that you believe God to the very last moment and you kept moving that direction is greater than if you said, so well, I gave up 10 years ago believing that. Because we're honored before the Lord in the last days is the fact that you believe me. He told Abram, he said, because you believed me, it was accounted, that word is a, is a literal translation, it is deposited in heaven You've believed me for righteousness sake. Now you're operating in the kingdom of light because you've deposited something there. So my point is today that God has raised up Trinity Fellowship here is not to coexist with darkness, not even to tolerate it, but to set a dividing line between darkness so that there's, there's not darkness upon the face of our deep. Deep calls down the deep. So darkness doesn't set upon who we are. Because the deep cries out to God, so that deep is either a place for the demonic level, the underbelly, if you would, to function, or it allows God to come and, and hover over that. You know, real, the next part of that is goes into, and the Spirit of the Lord came and hovered over the waters, and then God began to speak. Whatever we're allowing to hover over us is the voice that we're listening to. Think about that. Whatever is hovering over our deep, our spiritual being, is what we listen to. If you're hearing something that you'll never not, and this is what, you know, the devil's trying to give you an altern alternate thought, then you're allowing darkness to hover over your deep. And you don't even know that there's a dark cloud over you, because not about a dark cloud, it's this place of the deep. And he's going to the deep to cry out to break through so that the glory of God is on the face of the deep and not darkness on the face of the deep. Second Corinthians 4, and I'm running this doesn't look like it, but I'm running. <clears throat> For it is the Lord God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Out of darkness that he calls light to come out of that. He's always looking for us to have a point of breakthrough. God always sent the Israelites and the Hebrews into a place where the enemy was already there. 
So if you may be one of these praying, God, give me a job where there's all Christians and, and they don't care what I do and how I do it. You just put me in a place, Lord, that ever is easy. I'm not so sure that that's the kingdom of God fully. I mean, if it happens for you, good for you. But he calls darkness, calls light to have an effect on darkness into that place. If we recognize that you're there as an assignment to God, not just a point of trading time for money to pay your bills. You are there for a reason, for eternal purposes, because light has the power to push back and set a line of demarcation and set revival up right there in the workplace. So once you understand your, your assignment, then you, you, you realize that I'm here for a higher purpose than I'm just trying to make ends meet and make, get through the end of the day. You are there called of God. When you understand that and see that, then you can draw authority and draw anointing into your being because you're operating under the assignment of the Lord and not just, you know, employment agency. Does that make sense? Inside of you is revival looking for a place to happen. Inside of you is the ability for light to push, push darkness back and see signs and wonders and miracles happen. But when we suppress the light, because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me, I don't want to make anybody upset, I don't want to lose my friends, Jesus continually expressed the Father, which is the glory of God, and the Pharisees didn't like him. So you'll just be in good company. I'd rather stand before the Lord and say, I didn't suppress the light. I didn't oppress the light. In other words, operating in darkness. Instead, I came to express the light, to let the light break forth out of that. All right, 2 Corinthians 4 and on verse 6. For it is God who commanded, not encouraged or just, you know, thought it a good idea, commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts. In other words, what he did in Genesis 1, he said, now I'm doing it in your hearts. In our hearts to give the light, that's the energy, not just a incandescent, to give the light or energy of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To the level that you have a relationship with Jesus, there is an intimacy that is, comes and there's an impartation of his light inside of us that literally destroys the works of the devil and says, now you are empowered with the very thing that, I was, that he was raised from the dead the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also, also will quicken or make live your mortal body. So it's God's will and desire that inside of us there's more than just a bag of bones. We're carrying life of itself that may be invisible, but by the very spirit of God, that's what started us, brought us together, and, and brought life out of that. So we're living by faith, but we're also living in the light of the glory of God. When people lose their sense of desire and will to live, there's something about that their brain waves and all of the light that starts functioning in that begins to be oppressed. And then as one thinks in his heart, so they become. So they begin to, to lose energy in life. You know, one of the reasons why revival many times happens with a bunch of young people, you know why? Is because they have the energy and the will to express the goodness of God. Older people say, yeah, that's cool. I remember back when I was a kid and I could jump like that. I remember when I could do that. Well, you don't have to have the energy to get off the floor. You just lift your hand and say, God, I want to be a part of that. Let me be a lightning rod from heaven to earth right now and not just be a spectator or be a, a historian of it or what I would never see myself doing that. We're to express himself. He's already inside of us. So it's not about importing. It's about expressing what's already inside of us. And the goodness of God. Now, let me just say, if you ever heard anybody say, well, I no longer get fed. If that's the case, then the fact is, that simply means I'm no longer hungry. 
When you lose hunger for God, you don't want to eat. You don't, certainly don't want to eat meat. You want to, you know, suck on a, you know, milk bottle maybe and get just enough to say, I'm good. But those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness will be filled. You can't fill somebody that's not hungry for God. So we can pray that God would give them appetite and a hunger for the things of God. Otherwise, they're going to have more of a hunger for the things of God. Right now as I'm speaking, if your mind is going to what you're going to do tomorrow or another day or what I'm doing, then you don't have a hunger for God. You have a hunger to get your want and your thing met. So there's a distinction. If you don't have a hunger for God, you're, you're living halfway in between darkness and light. And it's a miserable place to be. And you think whatever you think makes you happy ends up not making you happy ultimately. All right. Quickly, John, the first chapter. Which is really a key verse. Anything to do with light. You find all the way through scripture where, especially in Colossians, he delivered us from darkness into light. We all started in darkness. And there has to be a transformation. You just don't stay there. There has to be a transformation. He's called us out to go into. So just being in a, in, sitting in church, hearing a message does not call you out of darkness. It just makes you feel like I've ticked the box. God's calling this house to be a place for his presence to come an altar for his glory to come set upon and to reveal his greatness and the fullness of who he is. I don't know about you, but I don't want to know just a little bit about God. I just don't want to know just to get a touch to, so I can get to heaven. I want to know his fullness. I want to know his heart. I want to know his delight. Because the more I know about the light, the more prosperity and individuality and, and glory and my imagination takes off out of that light. So in other words... Whatever you're going to make it in this life, it's going to be at a greater level because of his light and glory. All right, John 1, in the beginning, interesting, parallel passage with Genesis, in the beginning, in other words, not the beginning of time, but beginning of the word. The word was before the time began. Holy men of old spoke as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. Before time began, as we know it, the word was present. Father, Son, Holy Spirit was there present in creation. The Son of God, the word was present. In the beginning was the Word, it's capitalized, not Word, pages in Bible, but Word, God sang. In the beginning was God sang, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything about God is related to His Word. He formed the darkness, formed the light, and so He says, now, but I'm all about my Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through Him and without him, nothing was that was made. Anything that was made was not created without his word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart so I would not sin against you. If a person finds it easy to sin, it means they've not hidden inside of themselves that would be a division between light and darkness. Darkness would become normal. Darkness would become whatever the world is saying and the standard the world set. But we're in this time now when they said, who's on the Lord's side, come over. No longer is having one foot on the side of the other. And a lot of people will be miserable when they hear this kind of preaching because it challenges them, whom will you serve? Mammon, self, God, eternity, eternity or temporarily? All right, here it is. In him, the word, was life, and his life was the light of men. When he uses the word fosse, not just a illumination, he connects it with life. Life carries light. 
and light has life in it. So when he talks about you're the light of the world, he's not talking metaphorically just that you're our, people see you, they, they see the Father, which is certainly true. But inside of you is energy, empowerment that is radiating that the same God who created the Son is the Lord God who put a part of himself on the inside of you and you are filled with the radiation of God. Quantum physics talks about the idea when something is seen, it immediately changes. So when you look in the scripture, it says as one looks into the mirror, into a glass, and they see that image, they're transformed into the image from glory to glory. The idea is the Lord saying, I want you to look into my face and see who I am, and that is transformative because I have another level of glory to take you to. Don't just settle for church. Just don't settle to set and bide your time, you know, once a week. Allow the Holy Spirit to take you into realms of the Spirit of God that gives you the supernatural wisdom, supernatural understanding for the end times are coming. You, not, you cannot survive the end times without knowing God. Otherwise, you'll, you'll go to the world to have supply. You'll go to the world and get help. You'll go to the world, and when you do that, you've aligned yourself and yoked yourself with darkness. Can any two walk together, Amos 3, except they're agreed? Homo legeo, say the same thing. So you can tell where a person, which kingdom they're in, by simply their language. What do they talk about? What do they want the most? What brings them happy and what brings them joy? If it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God and eternity, there's a good chance it's all about darkness and what I want. I want this. I want a bigger raise. I want a bigger car, a bigger house, and more mortgage, and more taxes, and more everything. Instead of saying, I am hungering for meat that you don't even see. That's what Jesus said. I'm hungering for not what you see in the natural level, but I'm hungering because the depth calls out unto the depth of God and saying, Lord, I want to be a part of your kingdom to rule and reign. And the good news is that when there's a new heaven, new earth, and if you've been faithful here serving him without darkness, that when he returns, sets up a new heaven, new earth, then you will set yourself up to be governors and leaders and, and anyone in government here on the new heaven, the new earth. You may see people that you didn't think had any spiritual value in their life, but when, when the Lord returns back, sets up new, new heavens, new earth right here, you'll find out these people may be the mayors, leaders, governors, and, and heads of, of territories, and yet I didn't know even know them because they carried light inside of them and they did not compromise their life with darkness. Why should you? Why do you want to? The kingdom of God is at hand. Why would I want to take less? I'm giving you the kingdom of God. Well, I don't want to take too much, so I'll just take just enough because I've got to live in this world and I want my friends to be acceptable, except the kingdom of God doesn't see it that way at all. We're in a time, choose this day whom we're going to serve. Now, when he says because the life is his light, then we know that the fosse literally means a force of power to do miraculous. The force of power to do miraculous things. So the light is already inside of us. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 22, he said, if the lamp of the body is the, is the eye, if your eye is good, your body is good. But if your, your eye is bad, meaning it has darkness in it, then it affects your whole body. How we see affects every part of our life. I mean, the fact your eye operates as a shutter on a camera, lets light in, lets, shuts it out. And the thing that we see and we embrace becomes entered into us and now becomes part of our temple. 
Pornography is a very destructive thing. When you see it with your eyes, you're saying this, I'm letting it in, giving light to it, giving acquiescence to it, and then it enters in the body, and the Bible even talks about that it becomes rottenness to bones. He forgives us, he cleans us up, separates us from darkness, and is transformative. We can move on with that. But here's the interesting thing is, how I see also relates to how I speak. The power of life and death is in the tongue, Proverbs 18. So the very thing that I speak is either agreeing with darkness or agreeing with light. The power of darkness has a language of its own, and we see God coming down and confusing the language of the Tower of Babel because they set their heart on, they imagine what their heart could do. They set their imagination, their heart upon the world, and so he came and confused their language because a unity is a very powerful thing. But in the same way, it is when we have the language of the kingdom of God and we're blessing and speaking life over what Jesus says and what the word of God says, it means now we're in agreement with that and we have a divide between darkness and light. If you're not fully experiencing the prosperity of your life and your fullness of Lord and your home, and I'm not saying financially because we're all at a stewardship level, but if we're not experiencing that, means that darkness controls our prosperity. And there again, prosper of soul, prosper of health, prosper of that. So we can literally make ourselves sick by giving ourselves to the kingdom of darkness. And right now there's a big pull on, in everything we do politically is to get our attention. And I, I think we ought to be aware of where we are, but not to the point that creates fear, doubt, and unbelief, anger, and hostility. For he that sits on the throne is greater than he that sits on the, the, the throne in Washington. And the one that we give attention to, the one we give our language to, the one that we give voice to is the one that we catches our attention and he's the one that's saying, I've caught that. Otherwise, the language of darkness is deadly. The power of death is in the tongue. And if you see someone that's highly opinionated about everything, they feel more empowered because they criticize everybody and everything else, then they're operating in darkness. And therefore, they're not operating in the full prosperity, the ore of God or the radiance of God. Now, if the lamp of the body is the lamp, then he says, I have something would have fainted unless I would have seen, unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, I want you to see my goodness in the land of the living, not in the kingdom of darkness and fear of the, all that's dead and going and dying and falling away. So we're really called into saying, I mean to Allow my eyes to have to be the gatekeepers of my heart and soul. And if I see something that's not of the Lord and the Holy Spirit quickens that, I just quickly say that's not of God, that's not in, that has no entrance into these gates and just refuse it. And you refuse it by resisting it, of going back and say, but God said, this is the heart of God. This is the kingdom of God. Look with me, Isaiah 58. This is where I, my heart is for Trinity, and I believe yours is as well. This house has been called to bring deliverance to people that have set in darkness. I've seen demons come out of people. It's not, a, it's not an unusual thing. It's only unusual for them to stay. <laughs> when we first started Trinity Fellowship in 1987, this is the verse of Scripture the Lord gave to me, and out of that came love indeed, and 
some of the other ministries. And he says, this not the fast that I've chosen. This is verse 5, a day of man to afflict his soul. In other words, to literally bring yourself into position, bow yourself before God. In verse 8, is this not the fast I've chosen? If you want to fast, find out how God sees fasting. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed, that's darkness weighting down, the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke, every controlling in a person's life. Fear, doubt, and unbelief is is a yoke. It's controlling. Fear of the future, fear of what somebody's going to do to you. You know, all of those things, usually people are heavily uh, get offended easily when they carry that yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Love indeed. And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. Literally, is your house means your own family. And bring to your house the poor that's cast out. Do not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light, your power, your, who he is, shall break forth like the morning. Though it is there, it needs to break forth. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. In other words, when we allow the light of who he is to be fully expressed and not hidden, pushed back, afraid that someone would have another alternate idea of what church should be, we allow him to fully express who he is, then I'll bring forth healing. We see a tremendous amount of healing coming in third world countries is because they're over there not saying, we shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. That's not politically correct. All they know is I need God and we don't know anything else, so let it come. Then your light will break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth. And that's where the Lord is calling us to provide an environment to break the heavy burdens off of people's lives. For all of us to be able to understand that you carry light to uproot darkness and to destroy the works of the enemy. God never intended for you and I just to get by and to just survive. He wants us to move into abundance And abundance is not nickels, noses, and numbers, but abundance is at his level of what he sees. So when he sees something and we choose less than that, it means that there's something has darkened it. The gates of hell, you've heard me say this before, hadassah, plural, more than one gate, means to block light or block revelation. So a gate of hell that keeps us from, from you seeing what God really has in store for you. And if you settle to be angry, settle to be upset, settle to be, you know, this is my personality, I got it from my daddy, then that means you've not been carried the born-again DNA of a, of a new creation. I was sharing with the Pakistanis last night. I said, you're no longer slaves. Most of them were indentured bond slaves working in the brick hills. They need to know that you may be enslaved in this body, in this earth, but you're free as royalty in the kingdom yeah. of heaven. <clears throat> So once we understand that we, we have the power of his light inside of us and we say we don't have to settle for less than what God's called us to. Look with me quickly in, in Isaiah 61. Jesus walks in on the temple right when they're reading this verse of scripture. It's coincidental? I don't think so. Because they read, they read out of the Torah they read out of the Old Testament certain portions every day. Jesus walks into the temple at this precise time. He took the scroll and he began to read for himself. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, has a purpose. The Spirit of God's not on me to make me have chill bumps. 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do something. If I'm not going to do anything, I don't need the Spirit of God. Maybe that's why some people said, I don't want God because I don't have to do anything. The Spirit of God motivates me, presses on me to respond and do something. If you're in a time and say, you know what, I'm just going to lay back and not you know, participate and do anything. Well, the Bible says, Psalms 103, in the day of visitation, the people will be willing. If you be willing and obedient, you'll do what? Eat the good of the land. So God is saying part of the, will, the goodness and willingness is the fact is I'm not looking back as a spectator, but I'm stepping in for the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to leave nothing on the table and I want to do everything I can to, to, for the kingdom of God while I have breath to do so. All right. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to accomplish, to do something. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Trinity Fellowship to do something. Not just to hold services, not just to hang out and, and enjoy relationship. We do all of those things but the next higher level is the fact is to have a, a, an effect, light upon our community and wherever we are. Even Vine goes over the wall, whether it's Zoom or however it goes out. We were doing a prophetic presbytery, a few of us was, Pastor Dwayne, Frankie, and I, for a, for a church in Australia not too long ago. And they, had, they got up early. We stayed a little bit later. And there they were, brought their team up, and we... Pastor Dwayne set up a big screen so we could see them right there, and we prophesied over them one by one. <clears throat> and I didn't have to fly several, you know, 14 hours. The Lord is causing out of this house to go forth the Zion, go forth the word of the Lord. There's more than happens in this house than what you see on a Sunday morning. There are things that are happening every day of the week, all the times, from feeding the poor and people getting healed and saved and delivered, have people operating in the parking lot, like Lynn and Murray, and they're over there praying for people, and they're getting healed. You don't always hear about it, but God is up to something manifested. And so we want to cooperate with him and say, all right, God, would you just let the ladder between heaven and earth just come. Let the ladder between heaven and earth come so that we're anointed to do something and accomplish something. All right. Um, Jesus says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. First thing, preach good tidings to the poor, love indeed. Second thing is to heal the brokenhearted, which sometimes goes on and on. If you've ever been around here in love indeed on Wednesday night, you will pray for people again and again and again that have broken hearts. Meaning an abandonment, a relationship, or an expectation that something was going to happen, or they're broken because their health is broken, and so they just simply say, I, I don't even know where my next meal or my next day is coming from. To proclaim liberty to the captives. What are they captive by? Darkness. Jesus, first before he went to heaven, went into the lower parts of the earth, he descended so he could lead captivity captive. He took the captive ones that were held, and some people say Sheol was not the, the lake of fire, but Sheol, and led them out before there was covenant made, and he led them captive. He never turned them loose and said, hey, you can go do whatever you want to do now. You're free. He kept them captive to captivate them for himself and for the reward of his father. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, Jubilee, and the day of vengeance for our God to come for all morning in, in Zion and to them who give beauty for ashes, the garment of praise. We teach worship here is a very most premier thing. The planting of the Lord, trees of the Lord are for healing for the nation. The kids and everybody's coming back in right now because we're getting ready to, to do something. 
So I just want to encourage you, all, everything that we're doing is because we feel like it's the kingdom of God. To make a separation between the hovering and the oppressiveness of darkness and you and I make a difference before the king of God, the king of kingdom. Some of the things we do is a very small issue, things that we, we minister to people that, that don't have a supporting church. You've seen love indeed. Frankie's preaching the gospel to them. And that's what the Bible says, have the gospel preached to them, ministering healing to them. That goes on. It's been going on for 35 years. But the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us and saying, now's the time that I'm going to lift the cover and to reveal myself in a greater dimension. And this is, this is how I heard the Lord say, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he, and he said to them, how come you speak to the Pharisees in riddles or parables, but you speak to us very plain? And Jesus told those, those that are his followers, it is set for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And for all of the others, they've got to hear in parables. Don't you want to be one to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God and not just get it second or third hand or parables? So he's training our ears to hear and then knowing how to respond to him. It's not the hearers only, but the doers that, are, that the Lord's doing that. So it's marvelous. And we're beginning seeing that. I wish I could just share everything I'm seeing in my, my heart, my spirit. Just rejoice, pray into it all the time. And I just want you to be a carrier of this weightiness of the glory of God. I'm going to ask the, the team to come up that are, well, let me tell you who the team is. This is the, the team that is the, um, for the journey vision. And we've selected it. We have a coach, Jeremy Malik, that's uh, walking through with us, helping set up the, all of the, the fasting that you've been so responsive. I'm so proud of you guys doing that. Because everything that happens will happen, be birthed out of prayer, not just out of, you know, backroom planning and making, you know, look like good on paper. So I'm going to invite all of you come up there, Alex and, and Tina. Where's Pastor Tina? I called her pastor because she's pastoring the children. And the days ahead, we'll be setting her in, ordaining her as a pastor. So I'm dying to come up with me. Where's Frankie? Where's Pastor Frankie? Send out an Amber Alert. <laughs> We'd like the elders to come up and stand with us as well. <clears throat> I want everyone to know that this isn't my idea. This is just something that I came up with and presented. This has been something that has been prayer and we've considered for a good while. And uh, it's team. So um, I don't have my brochure. But Alex is, the, is over uh, media. Tina is over uh, event planning, which is coming in celebration. We're going to have some celebration time and experience. And Pastor Dwayne, he is the administrator or the overseeing of all that is happening. My job is just to help keep us focused on the main thing, which is the presence of God that's upon us, and he's, he's setting it. And then Frankie is in charge of, uh, of uh, prayer. prayer. Okay, that's it, exactly. And here he is. Prayer is not late. <laughs> Amen. So Frankie's talked to you about raising up prayer teams that will come into a, 
a 24-hour time of praying. I mean, you don't, you don't pray for 24 hours, but there are slots that will come into the building and over a 24-hour period, and you'll have uh, cards about praying for other people's needs that we'll, we'll collect and about people that you may or may not know, as well as this vision uh, journey that we're going on. So the Holy Spirit's just taking us into this level of going after him in prayer, seeking his face first and foremost. And then after we finish this, Pastor Wayne's going to show you some plans that will help us to be able to enable that. I mean, realize uh, if you don't have any wine, you don't need a wineskin. So I was looking at that host 7,000 people plus that was set inside a tent and outside and around. I said, now there's a wineskin that they're not, that they're just getting people in because of what they, it's a tool that they need for that. So for such a time as this, we're operating in a, in a new level of the Holy Spirit. I want us to see it, hear it, taste it, and begin to say, God, I want to be a part of this. So Father, I just pray over every person standing here, every elder that has stood with us in faith and watching us, this process that have prayed with us and stood with us and said yes and amen that's been part of the ability to hear God and to tweak things we need to, to tweak. I just thank you for the staff that you brought together and for Pastor Dwayne as, as he oversees all of the details that has to be brought together and for all of this to begin to take place, all the moving parts. Thank you for Pastor Tina, Lord, who has a heart for the children first and foremost above anything, but her skill as a planner and putting together those things that we can all enjoy as we celebrate what you're doing in your goodness. For Pastor Alex, Lord, that you've given him the skills and the ability for the technology to communicate with everyone easily at the same time that, that communication is not lost, but it is elevated to the level so that everybody understands the times and seasons that we're in and what we need to do. Lord, I praise you and thank you for Pastor Frankie that not only is a carrier of worship, but also a man of prayer. As he puts this together, may, may you find cooperation with everyone, oh God, that first and foremost that we are a prayer-centered church. Your house will be called a house of prayer. And we thank you for that and praise you and give you thanks for it, Lord, all that you're doing. Thank you for our elders. And Lord, I just pray over Pastor Philip right now. He's an elder that's going into for knee, knee replacement tomorrow. So God, we thank for strength and wholeness and houndness, Lord, that uh, you're, you're replacing the body parts so he can run, run this new race and run without pain. So we just bless him to fulfill all that you called him to do and be, and may there be easier time than before to finish this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your full ability. Amen, amen. All right, Pastor Dwayne. Well, it's an exciting day for us all. The, uh, the Lord has been leading us for several months in just uh, in what we're feeling God's calling us to do. And so today we're launching a vision campaign called Breaking Out the Light. Pastor Kerry just shared the scripture, what the theme is, is Isaiah 58.8, where we're breaking out the light. For years, Trinity has been a, a just kind of covered church that people don't know about. But God is bringing us into a place that's coming where we're going to be known in this community. And he's got a special assignment on us, I believe, right now. And you're feeling it. 
that each one of us has a calling to reach our community. And our community is not just our cities, but it's our, everybody that we're in association with. Our next door neighbors, people we work with, go to school with, people we may meet in the grocery stores. We are to be light to them. And that's what God is wanting us to do is to touch them. And in this 40 days of prayer that we launched today is we're praying for God to give us revelation of who we're to speak to and what the Lord, the Spirit's going to give us words to say and, and how to touch lives. And what's going to happen in all this is this place is going to begin to get full. And we're going to need to expand the wineskin like Pastor Kerry said. And that's what we're going to show here. Hopefully this works. Is it up, Gabe? You get, are you getting anything? There we go. Okay, we're starting off. We've hired a consultant back in December to help us develop some plans and this whole campaign journey. And we are starting with some uh, things to help expand here because this place cannot contain what God has us. If you remember a couple Sundays ago, Pastor Kerry read a word that was given back in 1997 that this church is to be a church of a thousand. And it won't happen unless you plan for it. Well, today we're planning for it, and it's going to happen. So this is a site plan. This is a site plan, and the road there is Highway 31, and you're coming, you see our food building. You're coming in. We're going to have to be expanding the parking lot, probably bigger than what he drew there, over into the field that's out here, going back, and then we're going to add on different phases to the building. And... This is the building. The areas that are shaded are all the areas that are going to be new, new work and construction. We're going to be putting on a whole new lobby all the way out across the front. We're going to be tearing that wall out and pushing it that way to make the sanctuary bigger. We're going to be tearing out all the rooms in here to make it so this can hold. The, the drawing say it will be able to hold 488, but that's not charismatic seating. So I'm thinking it's going to hold comfortably at least 400 and uh, maybe more. But we're going to have room in here for this harvest that's going to start pouring in here. So in the front lobby, which is going to be across the whole front of the sanctuary, is going to be this expansion. Now right where the you see the number five and right below it's two doors. Those are going to be two new doors that are going to be right over there. But right beside it, where it starts to go down towards number six is where the current glass doors are when you're coming in the building every Sunday. Those are going to be torn out and widened. That whole area is going to be expanded. But this lobby will be going out into the parking lot, 40 feet and 80-some feet wide. And it's going to change the whole front look of the church. And these are just some concepts of what we have, just ideas of what it might look like when you pull up. We're not sure yet of what's going to happen because those haven't actually been drawn. But this is a kind of a view, a 3D of what they've done of our lobby is going to be. When you come in, they're going to, there's a new welcome center on the side. There's going to be a seating area for people to be able to have commu community, to develop you know, community with one another. Fireplace, TV, new restrooms over to the side there. And uh, let's see if this is going to be... This is kind of an idea of what I kind of foresee that the lobby may be like, something similar to this when you're coming in. 
So these are some more of the 3D renderings kind of showing a welcome center. And here we have a view. You can see there's new restrooms there and a door that goes out to what will be a portico right out the side where you'll be able to come in and drop off and pick up people in bad weather. It'll be covered and you can come right into the building that way. This is another view of towards the now those two windows will not be there beside the fireplace because we don't want that afternoon sun cooking us. This is just another little top view of the restrooms and the portico outside. Now to the sanctuary, like I said, we're going to be expanding this whole room so we can get more people in. And we're going to tear that out. All the sound booth, everything will be gone. This back wall, that'll be gone. This will be gone. The stage is going to have to be moved down to be more in the center. That's going to go out 25 more feet. We're going to push the wall back here to make the stage deeper to give us more room. And we're going to add on over there a prayer room, much larger, so our prayer team can have more room to, to pray. And we're going to add more restrooms there also and some storage and some thing of dancers. Uh, we'll have a green room back here for people to come in and off the stage for dramas and things like that. So that part, we don't have 3D drawings yet. But you can see where kind of number four is right below it. There's a little area. Well, currently, that's where the restrooms are now and some storage rooms. Those are going to all be tore out. And it's going to look kind of like this. So all the way from the front, you'll be able to see all the way to the back. And we'll have another sitting area there. That one little thing, I think, is supposed to be our current welcome center. But, uh, anyway, in the Family Life Center, we're going to expand it, make it larger. I wish we had it before the chili cook-off, because there's no way we can get all of you in there right now. We'll try, but it's tight. But when this is done, we can get us all in there. So we're going to be expanding that out about 40 more feet, building a permanent stage that can be closed off. We're tearing out the existing kitchen and building a nice big kitchen and pantry off to the side out there. So this is some more of their little 3Ds. Kind of see the Family Life Center and the kitchen kind of off to the left there. And another little drawing of the kitchen, so to speak. This is another view back at the lobby kind of with the windows that aren't going to be there. <laughs> anyway, our plan is to start in phases. First phase is going to be the, the, uh, welcome, uh, the Family Life Center. That way we can expand that all and make it to where we need to move our services from here. It'll be big enough to handle Sunday morning service in there. Because we will do that phase first. Phase two, we will start the south end of expanding the sanctuary in those rooms. We could do all that work without tearing this wall and have that all done and ready. And then when it's time, we can move in there. We can just start demoing all this, open that up, and expand and do it as quickly as possible so we can come back in here. And then fourth stage will be, or third stage will be the new lobby out front. So projected costs, we don't know exactly. We have estimates between somewhere between two and three million dollars for all of this. It's a lot of money. Today's, you know, just to build a house now is like $300,000 and up. Things are expensive. 
but we serve a big God. A million bucks for him is nothing, believe me. And so we're just, as part of this prayer, we need just to pray for God to supernaturally provide resources that we need. We're not going to take a loan. We're not going to go in debt to do this. It's going to be only by what God provides. And the consultant we've hired is helping us with campaigns to, like, reach out in our community of trying to help draw funds for different people or companies and things to help us in this. And then we're all going to have a part. God's going to ask each of us to participate. So just be praying. You know, this its going to be wonderful for here, but the whole purpose is for us to break the light out to this community. Because we are in desperate times in our, in our nation, in our world, and people need life. They need Jesus. The theme for our men's camp uh, is coming up the end of, of uh, April is forged by the light. And we had a team that a couple weeks ago, we came together with that. And our scripture, which Pastor Kerry shared today, was John 1.4. In him is life, and the life is the light of men. And so it's all about light, us breaking out light. So there will be brochures out in the lobby to pick up about the campaign. There's also some questions uh, to help answer. And we're also going to have some evenings where Pastor Kerry and I will meet with you that if you want to come in for a special time to meet with us and just ask questions that you might have. We're, we're going to limit it to 12 people at a time. We'll just serve some dessert and coffee and whatever. But we have sign-up sheets for those out in the lobby. If you want to pick an evening and you want to come and talk to some more about it, just pick up one of those uh, nights and sign up, and we'll meet you here. So let's just praise God for what he's got for us, right? Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your vision for us, for this house, for all the words that you've given over the last past decades are coming to fruition for such a time as this, that the church, which is all of us in this room, have a high calling to bring forth the light to the wounded, to the captive, to the brokenhearted, the poor, not just financially poor, but poor in spirit. But Father, we just pray that we will grab hold of the vision and the purpose that you have for us. And we'll take it with a great seriousness now as a time, not to let it be a casual thing, but to be a thing that we push with tenacity, that it's our focus, it's our life, it's what you've called us to be and do. And so, Lord, we just call out breaking forth the light this day in Jesus' name. Amen.